Texas talking ball. What was that that you said? Texas talking ball. Gonna hoop upside your head. Texas talking Tell me who can you trust when Texas hearts are Texas Welcome to the TripCast. This is Louie Bond, editor of Texas Parks and Wildlife Magazine. But if you really want coverage of wild animals, you should listen to this podcast. Thank you. This is reporter Reeve Hamilton here with the TripCast for the third week of January. Joining me is CEO and editor-in-chief Evan Smith. What's up, Chief? Nothing. We know what is up is that uh, Ross Ramsey, the executive editor, is also here. Howdy. <laughs> How do you follow that? Yeah. <laughs> and Emily Ramshaw, the editor of the Texas Tribune, has decided to join us. Decided? I was here last week, too. Yeah, and you loved it so you much. Decided you decided that back. she would I, join us. I re-decided. Yep. Anything you want to tell us about your bio that's uh, not uh, accurate on the site? Uh, let's see. Let me think about it. Well, I think I started a year earlier than you thought I did. And <laughs> et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> and then Ross Ramsey put me through law school. <laughs> It's, it's very it's out. it's complicated. It's all that damn Wayne Slater's fault. I will say on my original bio on the Texas Tribune site, it just said born in Houston and then moved on. Is that factual? It no. is factual. Well, it leaves out the fact that I also spent ten years in Massachusetts. See, everyone's bio is complicated. Yeah. But we should get into the details of like what we're referring to. This is all sort nah. of a setup. This <laughs> <laughs> thing we should talk about about your life, Reeve. That's people are interested. All right. Uh, but you know they have to they have to pay a premium for that. That's behind the paywall. Sounds like people need Texas an intervention. <laughs> All the good stuff is behind the paywall. Yeah. So who wants to tell us what's going on? Why are we talking about Wendy Davis's bio? Evan brought it up. Go Evan, ahead. Come on, fill us in. Wayne Slater wrote a story in the Dallas Morning News on Sunday uh, that, uh, like Jay Root's story in the Tribune and the New York Times last September, uh, and like uh, Gardner Selby's story in the Statesman in and June, like and like Peggy Fekex right. in September. Yeah, but I don't care about Gardner and Peggy. Well, the press corps I like them personally. But uh, <laughs> uh, look, look, uh, Wayne, not Wayne's that, story. Not that's a problem. I mean, uh, still factual. History is written by the winners, and if you judge uh, uh, in this case the winner as the person whose story got the most attention, uh, then you got to give Wayne the, the the wreath here for that. Uh, the jug of milk. The jug of milk. I don't even know what that means. Um, yeah, what is that? Wayne, Have you Wayne, ever watched like a what car racing? <laughs> well, I don't know what channel you're watching, Missy. Wow. Uh, the, uh, the the story I think they that get Wayne money. I think they get the money story that Wayne wrote on Sunday cast uh, 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 aspersions on the telling of Wendy Davis's uh, biographical uh, story by Davis and her campaign herself and themselves, uh, uh, suggesting that there were inaccuracies or inconsistencies in the way that the story had been told. The, the age that she was when she uh, was divorced was one issue that came up. The circumstances it was one issue. surrounding it's the her. Only issue well, no, no. There's also a question about the, the not, not just the age that she was divorced, but also the circumstances. There was a lot of uh, hay no made. No, no, there was a hay made of the fact that, according to, the, the, to Jeff Davis, her ex husband, the minute that he was done paying tuition for law school. Right, she bolted. She but that bolted. wasn't. A, that's not a fact. That is in dispute. Really. No, but I think I think that the 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 telling of the Davis story is uh, is now being uh, called into question. Whether whether the story that was told was the whole story, was it the correct story? Are there shadings? Uh, is it more complicated than the story that we've been told? Which you know is not a new concept politically in in politics. Uh, over the long history that we've all witnessed, th- th- she is not the first and will not be the last candidate uh, whose own telling of her story uh, w- might run smack into, in the eyes of journalists or opponents, 
uh, reality, fairly or unfairly <laughs> questioning whether that reality is um, is is the same as the story that she's told. The, the, the problem for Davis here, the challenge for Davis, is that this is a campaign that is largely biography-based. Her personal story has been at the foundation of her celebrity and of her candidacy. And so it's a particularly difficult issue for her as opposed to some other candidates because what they're striking at here, the opponents of Davis who are making hay of this, and they've made a lot of hay of it since, they're striking at the what, what I think is a core aspect of her candidacy, who she has been and how she's up from the bootstraps become the person she is. I think that this story, this whole flap is only going to end up working to her advantage among the people who were trying to figure out whether or not to support her because I think this just allows her to buy into this message that this whole thing has been incredibly sexist. I mean, this her Do you camp- think it's been sexist? Absolutely You sexist. think that if it were a male candidate... We would not be having a conversation about what age a male candidate got divorced. Right. We would not be having a conversation about how that male candidate had put themselves or, or was helped by a spouse to be put through loss school. You, you, really, this, you really think that if a male candidate had said, I was divorced or some other uh, some other aspect of, of, of his biography, I, I did such and such at X age, and then it was found that actually that person did such and such at Y age, you don't think that somebody would be attempting to say- I think if we knew all of that- If that we it, can't trust them about what age they did such and such, how can we trust them about- the way that they would administer their office. If we actually knew all of that about a male candidate, it might come into play in a campaign. I can see the opponent picking it up. I don't know that the it. scrutiny that revealed it in Wendy's case would ever be applied on a male candidate. I think the, 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 the whole let's look at this part of her story, let's look at these divorce documents, all of that kind of stuff, I, I think so there's a, a point of, there. Mm-hmm. There's a lot being made of the fact that she paid child support for her children and went to school and sort of pursued her career and that rather the father than her had husband, primary, which is not yeah. something I think would be made an issue as much. Out of so is it wrong for Jay to write that when, when, when no. he wrote it for us? I mean, is there anything wrong with Wayne's? No, no, but I think I'm saying the a, attacks on it are sexist. The attacks on it by whom? I mean, by her opponents. The Abbott, so the Abbott campaign and the people who who want to see Davis defeated in a broad sense, mm-hmm. uh, taking Wayne's story and making uh, the question of uh, of Davis's biography now an issue. Mm-hmm. Um, you think that that's an illegitimate political tactic? I just think that them. all the attention that's being paid to this and all the sort of negative attacks about her, you know, saying the wrong year, whether it was 19 or whether she was 21 or well, how the, long she the, was a single mom or, you know, how long she was on somebody else's dime going through law school. I just think those are conversations. You don't think it matters? I, I think when you are running for governor, I think I think she has and had a responsibility to get her facts straight. I mean, I think she there's definitely some blame to be handed her. Look, if you're running a serious campaign, your bio is going to be under intense scrutiny, whether you're a Democrat, whether you're a Republican, male, female. And you should know that. You and your campaign should know and, that. And she's played a little fast and loose. You know, the story, I think, has been this really compelling narrative. And I think some, you know, adding a year here or there, stretching it a little bit one way or the other makes the story even more compelling. It's a compelling story. With Do you think the, she did it accurate. deliberately? No, I think she just got it just, you know, the, the year sort of slipped out. I think it stretched I'm a little not, bit. I'm still not convinced that there's an it that she did. Uh, she basically, I, there's no real dispute that she was a single mom in a trailer park around age 19 or in her early 20th year. 
the distinction is that she got separated at yeah, 19. Yeah, there's two dates, exactly. in, there's two dates in a divorce. She's been saying I got divorced right. when I was 19. What right. she meant was I got separated and was living in a trailer park at 19, and the divorce was finalized when she was 21. That's basically the That's same thing. That's not really – it's sort of a, a difference without a distinction. Uh, right, I mean, right. It's like mm-hmm. a, it's sort of a meaningless thing to catch her in. Uh, you know, and the other thing is – the other big thing in, in, the, in Wayne's piece – uh, a lot of you know a lot of this, which has sort of been gone over before, so I think it's hard to make the case that this is not that this has been hidden in, from the public to any extent. Uh, well, actually, this part hadn't really been discussed before, but you know he got into she was in a trailer park, but only for a few months, and I think that's just a value judgment. You know, I don't know who gets to be the arbiter of, yeah. of yeah. how much time of what's spent long in enough a trailer to park say that you were okay. lived in a trailer right. park if it's I mean, a couple I, months. No, I lived on my same. friend's couch after I graduated for five months and uh that's why your bio on the trip site was so thin yeah. I, I guess i may be in a slightly different place than the three of you in thinking that the nature of politics generally these days uh is such that this stuff is almost always when it comes up male or female uh this is a gotcha moment it's an opportunity it's an unforced error you're handing the other side a talking point Anytime you're talking about whether you were actually 19 or 21 when you were divorced, fair or unfair as you may believe it to be, you're not talking about public education. You're not talking about this. You're not talking about that. It's not an issue of somebody else's making that, that she's talking about this. I mean, as you said, you know, we, look, you've got to own your bio. Mm-hmm. And you know that when you go into a political campaign, these days there are more ways to get access to information from long ago than there have ever been before. And if you say something, there's going to be somebody who's going to look back to when you said something on that same subject five years ago and say, well, did you say the same thing? Oh, you didn't say the same thing. You're flip-flopping or you're not telling the truth. The, these days the nature of politics is such that I'm not certain that I'm with the three of you in immediately dismissing the significance of this over the long term. No, I, well, I actually think it feeds – and let me just say one more thing. It feeds into this narrative that the Abbott campaign has been attempting fairly or unfairly to push. You know, fuzzy math about the payday lending, fuzzy math about this. I mean they're, they're trying to basically create a picture of the campaign either in disarray or of her as unable to keep a story straight or able to add properly or whatever else. And again, fairly or unfairly, this was sort of another pebble in the path. But this, I, think, yeah. I, I think that um, – she, yeah, I think it, what it really sets up is, is an interesting test for her campaign, and it's definitely an issue that they should have seen coming. I think a lot of reporters saw it coming, which is why sort of it's been covered a lot. Uh, but and it's sort of they have they haven't really had to deal with sort of an, not an attack, but sort of scrutiny coming from outside the Abbott campaign, right? And so how do they pivot? And how do they turn that message around? This will be an interesting test for their campaign. But this, I mean, she should have seen it coming because there are. I mean, there are omissions in her bio. I mean, I don't know if she's obligated to talk about her relationship with her ex-husband in her campaign bio. But that's, I think, her biggest omission that sort of surprised people. They, people had assumed a lot of this is just people's assumptions of her bio being discredited, not things she's actually said. But, but Ross, what I said earlier I think is actually true in this uh, – to respond to Reeve. I think that for somebody whose biography is a central element of her candidacy, I was a single mother who lived in a trailer park, raised daughters – and made something of myself, Harvard Law School and all this. Although that still seems to be true. Well, I know that. But the point is that somebody whose candidacy has at its center this compelling biographical narrative is more susceptible to charges that somehow the narrative has been told. I'm not saying – I'm not well, casting poli- politics, on her. In politics, you always attack the strength. That, right. that, that makes it more of an issue in this instance than it may be in some other case. You always attack the strength of a candidate. You know, The, the, the essential story of a candidate or the, or the strength of a candidate is the first place – that you go, you know, if if some guy named Bush 
runs for Texas politics and has a good family name and an ability to raise a bunch of money, the first thing you attack is, well, he was born on third base and thinks he hit a triple. I mean that's that's the way of right. that's 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 the way it's George thinks. P. Bush's I, biogra- biography is more of an issue, say, than Glenn Hager's biography. Right. Right. I, I think you know we're in the part of the campaign where we're seeing to some extent how they're going to fight and how they're going to respond. So you lay a fact out and you see how the campaigns grab at it and wrestle over it. And I think what we're gonna you know what if you're watching these things closely, what this tells us is this this is how they conduct. A debate, you know, through the media, you know, both sides of this thing. This is how the Abbott people pick this up. This is how the Davis people respond. It's interesting that they didn't run away from this, but ran into it. The Davis people, I think that's, you know, that's always an interesting sign. The, you know, by the time we get to September, and and we're really, you know, in full prosecution of these campaigns, I don't think this is going to be the essential story. But I think that if you think about it in September, you're going to go, oh, yeah, I remember how they how they frame their arguments and how they go about this. And here's how they're going to react to this and this and this and this. Well, and I think I, I mean, I think the Abbott campaign has to be careful in some <clears throat> ways how they use this, because, again, you know, if it moves too far away from fuzzy math toward, you know, say the traffic you're seeing on Twitter among her opponents, which is, geez, you know, she left her kids behind and went to law school school, you know, geez, she wasn't nearly as bad off as you thought she was. She wasn't in a trailer park for more than, whatever, six months. I mean, I think you do run the risk of starting to, to make attacks that are borderline sexist. And and the way that, you know, Wendy Davis sort of rose to prominence was on women's issues. And you've seen her trying to take control of this message and say, you know, I'm here fighting for women who've been in this position, women who know what it's like, you know, walk a day in my shoes and then complain. Well, let's come back to that. I want to talk mm-hmm. about that. Yeah, put a marker there. Yeah. Right. I want to come back. But before we do that, I mean, it's interesting. You know, it may be that the conversation, the central conversation here between the two campaigns isn't really all that sexist. But all of the stuff around it mm-hmm. really is. Right. I mean, if you watch Twitter and you watch Facebook – you know, you, you know, holy cow! Well, those people are uncivil, yeah, aren't they? Kind, you see people, you know, an original you, observation. You, you, you always kind of you online commenters. Yeah. What is the you, you, all, you, all, you, you always go wrong underestimating the dickishness of people on Twitter. But and, the la- and the last couple of days have been essentially the Super Bowl of dickishness on Twitter. But that said, if I'm sitting at the controls of one of these campaigns, I know that I can say this, and it will prompt that. Mm-hmm. So I'm, you know, at well, least in. in can we, par- can we parse off part of this? The sig- of I've, nev- I've never heard the Davis campaign say this itself institutionally, directly. But anybody who is around the Davis campaign who's trying to put this on Wayne, I mean, because there's been some suggestion that somehow well, Wayne was a dupe or Wayne was a willing participant in this. Wayne somehow committed the sin of, of taking oppo or – Shoot the, Wayne, me- shoot the messenger. Wayne is not only you know Ken Herman used to refer in the Bush days to Wayne as TV's Wayne Slater. He's not just TV's Wayne Slater. <laughs> he's MSNBC's Wayne Slater. The idea that somehow Wayne is a Republican stooge is the height of of, of absurdity well, and preposterous. Also, over the years there have been no there's been no love lost between the Abbott folks and Slater. I've never seen an AG come after a reporter the way they came after him at the Dallas Morning News around all this you know uh, voter ID stuff. Right. W- Wayne, so, Wayne is also not is... the only reporter in this town who occasionally gets oppo. And the fact is oppo is only bad if you run it without checking out whether it's true and deciding whether it's a legitimate story. We all get stuff right. handed to us by rival campaigns, and we should all be critical of the source and critical of the content mm-hmm. of it. 
until we determine that there's something journalistically there. And if this is the basis, we don't know that it's the basis for Wayne's story. But I mean, the suggestion that somehow Wayne did this as kind of like an extension of the Abbott campaign no, is ridiculous. Well, I mean, Wayne just wrote a story that he wrote a story. had already written. He wrote a story. It, uh, Twitter blew up. Right. That's not Wayne's so we fault. Can just, but let's just like take – I mean Wayne has been part of – as you know, Wayne has been part of the story. Let's put Wayne to the side on this, right, and ask whether Wayne did something wrong. I mean the, 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 the thing about the – that you brought up about the walk in your shoes thing, that's become a side issue here, which is the degree to which the, the Davis campaign has, has, has been criticized for the way they're talking about Abbott. That's become like an extension of the story that you know, in pushing back that they've somehow been, been uh, uh, not careful enough with the way they talk about Abbott. Uh, this is this thing that happened. We, we, we are all aware of this. This statement that the Davis campaign put out on on Monday, saying that you know the Abbott campaign is somehow attacking me for my biography, and they've never walked a day in my shoes. No, they didn't that, say no, they. They, they, said, they said they said anyone, anyone who, has, who has. They did not attach it to Abbott. Right. Well, the but, Abbott, the okay, Abbott, okay, and the Twitterverse okay, okay, attached but, it to Abbott. Okay, and, but yeah, come that, on. I mean, the reality is no, the con- but no, the context. There's a difference. There, there, the, co- the context of it though was con- was conflated. You know that that people conflated the context. Yeah, people yeah. who want to make it seem like the Davis campaign has been insensitive about you know Abbott's disability. But this is, I mean, honestly, like that argument is totally ridiculous. They were t- completely different parts of the statement. You know, you it was can't the last, stop. It was the last line yeah, of the statement. You can't. The fact is, I don't think people look at Abbott and think disability. They they think, you know, longtime state leader. It just, right. you don't put those two things together. You can't, you know, be super careful about all terminology that you use, mentioning anything that has to do with walking you know. that, that said, if you're in the Davis campaign and you don't want this kind of reaction <laughs> well, to exactly, it, yeah. well, exactly I mean, you got to you got to be careful. I mean, you know, and and you know, there are phrases. I mean, we're all writers. There are phrases that when you're writing about the Abbott campaign or you're writing about somebody disabled, that you kind of go, "Well, I shouldn't use this cliche. I shouldn't say, you know, you know, this or that or the other thing." The Davis campaign has to be hyper aware of that. And in this case, they weren't. They didn't say Abbott and that in the same thing. But you know, somebody over there should have a. Well, uh, hypersensitivity set, or right? Or maybe that's we should we... all stop being so hypersensitive. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I think that's part of the problem. I mean, you know, I think even members of the media have been, you know, super careful about it because you don't want to do anything that puts, you know, a headline next to something and suddenly everyone's like, ooh, that's insensitive. You don't right. think that the media should be careful about that? I, I actually think the media should be careful. I think the fact that everyone gets so worked up about something that – two things that are not even attached to each other is just – I mean, it's almost giving more credence to this disability than needs to be given. I mean, he is an incredibly strong and <laughs> it, – it's, poli- it's politics but and it's people yeah, will politics. find fault where – People are looking for fault all the time, so you just don't yeah. provide them. With- I, I think the opportunity – exactly. I think that you're basically right. – if you don't go out of your way to not provide opportunities for the other side to attack you fairly or not because that's going to happen, then, right. you're, then you're making a mistake. Right. And that's, right. I mean, that's but there of, are terms of speech. That's I, mean, just, I mean that's just sort of a, this – the latest Wendy Davis bio thing is just sort of an illustration of that, right? I mean it's sort of, I, I think that the attacks have sort of been overblown what the actual situation is in terms of any discrepancies in her campaign bio. But the campaign did sort of – allow this to spin out of control to some extent. Well, they allowed it in part by not saying before going into the campaign, is there anything that we need to do to scrub any potential problems that come out of this? Assuming they were even aware that there were any inconsistencies or any perceived inconsistencies, right. which they may not have been. Right. I'm, right. Just, I'm still not convinced that there are. I don't think her campaign bio is any different than anyone would have written it. Which is why I go to this is – we're basically seeing how they fight. This isn't going to be about the content. This is about the, right. the manner of it. Right. Yeah. Well, or if, the way they'll you, let if, people fight around If them. you assume right. that her narrative is the most compelling aspect of her appeal, which I'm not certain that it necessarily is, but if you assume that that's a compelling aspect of her appeal, to the degree to which they tear down 
that narrative benefits them in terms of tearing down her appeal, right? I mean, I, I think one question that I have is, do you all think that the way that this has been litigated tells you that the Abbott campaign is genuinely concerned about, Ab about uh, Davis as a threat? I think they're taking her seriously, and I think they'd be mistaken not to. I mean, it's clearly a Republican state, yada, yada, yada. They're going to have more money, all of that kind of stuff. But if they mess this up, you know, then they become the first who lost after right. 20 years of, you know, and they're just not going to make that mistake. I think they're going to look at this campaign and say, we have to assume she's going to have enough money to run a campaign. You have to assume that there was something to that bottle rocket going off in late June of last year and that there's something to those crowds around the Capitol. And you've got to be wary of that. And you've got to be wary of the fact that Greg Abbott, while he's been in statewide office, first on the Supreme Court and then as attorney general for years, is a relatively unknown character who can't walk in necessarily with all of the strengths that Rick Perry had and all of the name ID that Rick Perry had. You have to run a serious campaign. And I, I think they're going to do everything that you do running a serious campaign. And if it gets to the end and they win by 30 points, they say, well, you know, that's fine. But right. If I were Abbott, I wouldn't leave anything on the table. Right. Yeah. I mean, this but is we, we, this would you have left something on the table with Bill White either? Is it is there a difference between Davis and White or, or the, Davis? The, the and only the candidate. state's shifting demographics. The Perry people I mean, went after Bill White. Yeah, I think the they ran a series. Well, yeah. yeah. Actually, that came, that came up the other day. Somebody said, well, you know, uh, uh, th it's clearly the case that they consider Davis to be a threat because they never attacked Bill White in the same way. No, they attacked Bill White absolutely. Yeah, yeah. all the time. Bill. Right. Yeah. Yeah, Perry contracts let contracts let by the city to companies no, owned but, in part by but the. I th you know. But I think you know. But you know, take any opportunity you have to neutralize her, and it looks like I mean, this opportunity presented itself with Wayne's column, and they effectively seized on it as they should. That's do you think the job. Davis campaign right. did an adequate job of responding? I think you got to do more than press releases because the public doesn't read all your press I releases. I think they did a pretty good job of walking back into it. I mean, they didn't say you know they didn't run away from the story; they ran into the story, and you know the the best political fighters whether they win or lose, are the ones who run sort of toward fire instead of away from fire. They ran into it and said, you know, this is the story, and dug in, and I think their base looked at it and said, okay, we're here for a fight. This is good. I mean, this is all preparatory. We're all in the very early stages, and I think, you know, they had to show their guys that they were ready to make a fist and fight. It's like back. how you drive into, into the car crash instead of trying to swerve out of the way because it's about to clear when you're racing. <laughs> Right. Is That's he talking right. about something specific? <laughs> no, I knew I he's, he's, he's actually right. Clear, yeah. The milk is in the Indy 500. At the end, whoever wins in code, the Indy 500. What the hell is she talking about? <laughs> you guys didn't believe me when she's, I said there was She's talking no to Red Cell number 31 in Southern California. <laughs> dear dear TripCast listeners, please email Reeve and back me up on Join this. Join us next week for another Emily Ramshaw aneurysm TripCast. The moon yeah. is in the seventh house. The cheese is in the second What's drawer the in the refrigerator. <laughs> I can't believe you guys don't know this. Uh, uh, well, that's, that's a great transition <laughs> to our next topic, which, of course, is uh, gay marriage. Houston Mayor Anise Parker got married in California last week. This has become a bit of a uh, Jonathan, issue Jonathan Stickland was there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he was well, their witness. You want to explain that? The context <laughs> I, I, of that I, think, I think this issue is going to present. You know, uh, she did the, the partner benefits, the same-sex partner benefits as mayor after the election, kind of set the Republicans off, and they want to put a thing on the ballot now in Houston. She and her longtime partner, Ladies in White, went off to California and got married. And among other things, that keeps this in the headlines and keeps the issue bubbling. Texas has two or three cases, fix me here, two or three cases that are going up through the appellate process. One, I guess the lead case is probably out of San Antonio. Um, 
that there are was at least one case that was in play, if it's not still in play, having to do with divorce right. rather than right. marriage. That's but right. it, has the, the it has the practical effect of being about marriage. Challenges to the state's Defense right. of Marriage Act. You know, we've got a primary going on, obviously. We've got an election going on a little bit later, and we've got a session coming up. I think this – and what's going on in other states, I think this issue – is sort of bubbling up in And Texas. what's going on in other states is not just state legislatures approving gay marriage. In some cases, in states where you have Republican governors or Republican state leaders more broadly, you also have court cases over the last couple of weeks Utah, in which right. bans on gay marriage have been found to be unconstitutional. And, you know, Texas is going to be one of the last states to, I, I suspect, to, to willingly go, you know, walk into the light here. Um, but the but this is a case where the rest of the country is is maybe more of the leading indicator, and you know the conversations that in pot. <laughs> well, so okay, so what's let's let's go around the table. What's what's legal in Texas first? Nothing. Gay marriage or pot? <laughs> Guns. I think the courts are going to open. Marriage. It depends. It depends on which one you can uh, attach to a gun legislation. Right. I think there are some people in the state who are going to need legal pot right. before they can get to gay marriage. If you know what I mean, a concealed pot license. Right. right. I think I think probably gay marriage because of uh, there's the more of, there's more of an economic incentive to do that than it's not, I don't know if they legalize crap. Pot, they I mean, the economic incentive. I mean, you want to talk about the Texas miracle? You know, well, the Texas, I, you know, I'm, the Texas miracle fueled by sales taxes here. collected on legal pot. You know, one the, you know? the the pot thing requires you to liberalize the legislature, and that's not imminent. And the other one is in the courts. The legislature doesn't have anything to do with it. I think it's more likely we think it is? we bust the defense of marriage thing. But I think that if the courts do something on de, on defense of marriage. Legislature will come back and at least try something. But also the Jonathan Stickland thing that Emily referred to uh, sort of is an interesting aspect of it. And who uh, is Jonathan Stickland? Jonathan Stickland, Stickland Republican state rep- representative from, from Bedford. Bedford. From Bedford. Buford. Tea Party. <laughs> Buford. That's an inside joke. Uh, yeah. Emily <laughs> well, yeah, let's have more of those on here, please. Yeah, right. right. We have enough of those. So Jonathan Stickland, uh, his opponent basically has surfaced, has uh, revealed some Facebook uh, comment streams that Stickland engaged in back in 2011 where he's having a pretty animated debate with some folks uh, on the Facebook wall of a member of, like, the Texas Young Democrats. And he ends up saying things like, you know, don't take me out of context. I do support unions. I do support gay marriage. Uh, I hate Rush Limbaugh. Um, I don't think I should have to pay school taxes. It's like a suicide note. Yeah, I know. (laughs) I shouldn't have to pay school taxes for school districts my kids, you know, that, that I don't support and that my kids don't go to. I mean, it's... Remarkably, it's sort of a rant. And he's he has he denied this stuff or just sort of he has not denied it. No, he, is, he hadn't yeah. denied it. He hasn't confirmed that it was him. He hasn't, you know. I it's mean, they and it was before he was right, in the legislature. Yeah, but not that long. But also before speaks he was in the to you know there is actually this is true for pot too. You know, I mean, there's this sort of libertarian. <laughs> let people do what they want element of the Republican Party that I think he's probably had to disavow since getting into the legislature. But well, especially if it's the Tea Partiers who are going to, you know, help him get elected. Yeah, the libertarians are, you know, I mean, a, a straight-up libertarian is a, you know, social liberal, you know, fiscal conservative social liberal. So, you know, it's their slogan. And if you are in that mindset when you run as a Texas Republican, you quickly have to become a social conservative to fit the norms of the party and to, I, and to win, yeah. win the vote. I think what's fascinating is we are going to start seeing with younger members of the legislature, people who've had, you know, a sort of very active social media history. I mean, you know, the now people who are entering the legislature in their 30s have probably been on Facebook for like seven or eight or, or longer years at least. So you're going to see people whose, I think, opinions have shifted or who have, you know, when you archive all of this stuff. Well, you already have, uh, you know, 
candidates with kids on social media and you have campaigns with young staffers on social media all are ripe for the sort of error we're, we're, we're also living. we're also going to see i think an increasing number just because sort of nature has a way of of of, of working its its magic on this stuff and depending upon whether you or for or against gay marriage, it's going to be either good nature or bad nature, but it has a way of, of working its magic. You're going to have more elected officials who are themselves directly tied to this question of the prevalence of a gay and lesbian population in the country and in the state. Right. You're going to have elected officials who are gay themselves. Uh, Celia uh, Israel, right. who is on the ballot now in a special election runoff Early voting to succeed going on right now. Mark yeah. Strama in House District 50, would be the second openly LGBT member of the legislature uh, if elected. Right. You're going to have more of this uh, just over time. I mean, we have the most, I think, the highest number of openly gay members of Congress right now. Right? I mean, this is this is going to happen. And the, the, as you say, the age, the, the death of older people and the emergence of younger people as a force to be reckoned with politically is probably going to change it because we're, that we're seems gonna, to be we're, we're, we're going to go from we're going <laughs> we're going to go from presidents who don't inhale to presidents who yeah I used pot when I was a kid right I like that Obama interview the other day right yeah the um, uh, with the wholesale beer distributors lobby against pot legalization. Is sort of like Southwest yeah. Airlines and high rail, yeah. high speed rail. Is that what it is? Yeah. It put the high and high I speed rail. I want to cover that story. That's, that's my a, story. Yeah. If that comes, I want that one. All right. Well, you can go start doing your sort of prep work on that, setting your traps. Uh, in the meantime, we'd like to thank Shiny Ribs and who else? All the people that send in all their questions and comments to Texas. What is it? Tripcast at TexasTribune.org, uh, which you're welcome to do. On behalf of Emily, Ross, Evan, and our producer, Todd, this is Reeve. Thanks for listening. Wah, wah, wah.